Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard talk about how to give good feedback to your teen. Let's listen in. Mark, we're going to talk to parents today about giving some feedback to our kids. Sometimes we just expect them to do the right thing. We don't tell them what to do. That's right. How do you approach a child when they're doing something wrong, when they're doing something that is unacceptable? It's not the way that you want. And you're beginning to go, you know what? We need to have a conversation and perhaps change the way that we're engaging within our home. There's a special way to approach, and and it's very important for parents. I know we'll talk about timing today, but it really is an essential part of this, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you can't be correcting things all the time. I mean, there's an aspect of it that that if we do that, we end up pushing our child away. And so parents need to be a little bit strategic, perhaps even line out some days that these are my days for correction. And these are some days that I don't correct Mm -hmm. so that a child doesn't feel like that home that they're coming to, that place of rest, that retreat, when we look at them and say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you will find more correction upon correction That's not what Scripture says. Providing feedback to your teenager just occurs to me, Mark, that they're getting feedback from us all the time. We perhaps just need to be more strategic about it, right? Especially when it's negative. (laughs) You know, I mean, the, the, the really the foundation that we need to understand with these kids is that they are getting beat up in their culture, in their world, in their social circles. It's difficult. Every one of us would say to each other, I am glad I don't have to be raised in this world. Hmm. And so if I'm being challenged out there in high school, in junior high, in my social circles, and I know that I'm coming home to a place that is going to be nagging me and correcting Mm -hmm. me, then I need a place of peace somewhere. And the tendency is I find it someplace else. And so a parent has got to be very strategic about how they pursue their kids to correct some things. Maybe you only correct your kids other than the small things that come up, just kind of spur of the moment. Maybe you only correct them one day out of the week. And then when you do that, you only say one or two things. You don't overwhelm them. That's going to take some discipline from mom and dad. It really is. I mean, it's hard on moms. Yeah. I mean, I, and I've got to tell you, it's hard on moms because moms have a tendency to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then they tell you, and then they tell you what they told you. Let's be honest. And the tendency is they nag a little bit. Uh-huh. And if all the that's dads... Mark Gregston, that's Mark Gregston, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And if all the dads are sitting there going, yes, you do that, dads, back up a little bit because your tendency is to keep it all in, remain silent, and then explode mm. and want everything to change it at once. And so I look at both of those. Somewhere there is an opportunity to learn to maybe not be as intense, but to be more deliberate to affect change in the life of my child. So this feedback needs to be well-worded, carefully thought out, uh, delivered at the right moment, in the right place, and with the right motives. Now let's talk about each of those. That's right. You know, the right motives become so important. I don't want to change my child because they're bugging me. I don't want to change my child because you're not supposed to do stuff like that because I said so. You know, the, the intent of changing a child's heart and getting them to walk in a 
to a good place is to help them get to a place where they want to be and to keep them from a place they don't want to end up. And there may be some house rules that you need to engage in conversation with your child, but there's a side of it. It's not just because I don't like it or it's not just because I want something to be different. It is because this is how this home operates, and this is what we want within our family, and this is how we want to establish peace and a place of rest, not only for you, but for the rest of the kids, for your spouse within this home. So mom and dad, measure your own motives before you ever start giving feedback. It's going to take a little bit of thinking time on our yeah, part. Yeah, this is, this is that part where I say, you know, before you look at the speck in somebody else's eye, mm-hmm. look at the log in your own. And so if you always ask that question, is this about me or is it about them? Asking that question makes sure that my motive is pure when I approach my child. And truly, if my child really believes that my motive is pure and I am there to help them instead of always correcting and nagging and exploding, you know, if they know that I'm there to correct them, to get them to a better place and to help them move along in life as opposed to always trying to correct them for me to get what I want, their response changes to us as well. Is it helpful to put ourselves in their shoes like we're the ones receiving the feedback from our mom and dad? You know, well, I, I mean, I say to every parent, how do you respond when your child corrects you? You know, and and it's usually if it's denial, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Who do you think you are? You can't correct me. You can't you can't say that. I can do I'm asking you to do as I say, not as I do. I mean, that's sometimes the attitude that comes back to a child. And so there's no wonder when we start to correct our kids that maybe we see the same thing happening, that they're coming back to us saying, Who are you? You can't tell me what to do. I mean, the model that we set before our kids is the model that our kids will respond with. So we've got to be very careful about our approach. We often hear the word constructive used in uh, relationship to feedback, so it needs to be constructive. But how how, how can we go about that? Well, you know, I, I think there always needs to be the opportunity to, to let a, a young lady or a, a young man know that that there may be some guilt associated with some wrong things that they're doing. That feeling is normal. Constructive or destructive criticism may be when we allow shame to come in. You know, when we use those demeaning comments and say, what's wrong with you? Why can't you follow the rules? I mean, when we start a conversation like that, we're asking for a fight. Those are loaded words, aren't it, they? They really are. And so maybe it's approaching a child saying, hey, we need to talk about something because things aren't working real well, and I'm just concerned that you know, we're, we're missing some things here. Can we sit down and talk? You ask. If they say, well, I don't want to talk. Well, we're going to have to talk. We need to sit down. I'm not going to do that. Then just say, well, I'm going to turn off the cell phone until we do have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If, if it ends up in uh, mom or dad making threats, you know, you're going to do this or else, that, that really is going down the wrong yeah, road, you've got to be very careful about making ultimatums because you have to follow through on those ultimatums. And and when you don't, if you kind of blurt one of those out, then you have just ruined perhaps some of your authority that you have within the home. What you want to do is kind of build your authority and, and be known as the one who wants good things for everyone within our home, mm-hmm. not just allowing one child who's been born into selfishness, and we have fed that selfishness to then take control of the house. We're trying to keep all these selfish kids from from, you know, the whole home having to revolve and rotate around them. 
Back on this issue of timing, is it always up to mom and dad when this feedback happens, or should mom and dad be maybe reading the teenager when they they are open to some feedback? You know, I, you know, uh, Albert Einstein made a comment. He said the reason for time is so that everything doesn't happen at once. And <laughs> and, I, and and you have Let me to think be, about that for you a have moment. To be, it is. You have to be a little strategic and say, you know what? Maybe I don't need to correct everything. Maybe timing is key because there may be ten things in the life of your child that need to be changed. And perhaps you don't need to hit them all at once. Maybe you can do it over a period of 10 weeks. And you just can make a little checklist in your mind. You know, there's a tendency also that that when our kids start to grow up and we're always correcting them in those middle school years and the younger elementary school years, there's a point when we need to quit correcting and move more into discussion with them. Because if not, we're going to be correcting everything all the time. And it's demeaning to a young man who's trying to establish his manhood and his independence to be told that you're always wrong. If we provide this feedback for the right motive and in the right time, I can envision our teen may actually come and ask for it sometimes. Is that unrealistic? Yeah, I think it's saying, hey, am I doing anything wrong? You know, anything you need to talk about. I mean, wouldn't you love to have your kids come and say that? You know, or, or, or you, you select a time to have that opportunity to talk about stuff where you actually say, hey, Thursday night dinner, we're going to have correction time. Everybody just gets to throw everything out on the table. You know what? It's a group activity. Don't feel threatened, mom and dad, if your child is correcting you. I had a man ask me the other day. He goes, would you tell me what I'm doing wrong within my family? And I said, yeah, I will. You're interrupting your wife all the time. And his first thought was, now, wait a minute. You can't. And I went, no, no, just. You you, ask me. You ask. I'm telling you. Well, when you ask your kids that question, hey, what would you change about me within the family? And they tell you, learn to be quiet. Because if you respond and make excuses, you are modeling to your child to excuse their way out of every correction that you give them. Dads, you love your teens, and you're doing everything to show them. But sometimes, it still doesn't feel like enough. You're busy and short on time, sacrificing a lot as it is, but you still feel like you run out of time for what really matters. A Devotional for Dads is the perfect book to help remind dads of life's biggest priorities and help them show their wives and kids how much they really matter. A Devotional for Dads is full of short, poignant, thought-provoking devotionals that give a biblical perspective of who a dad is supposed to be. It's more than just advice. It's a reminder of just how important dad's role really is and how much he matters. Get your copy of A Devotional for Dads at parentingteenresources.org, either for yourself or as a gift for the dad in your life who loves and cherishes his kids. I know you have a blueprint for how we go about uh, providing this feedback to our teens. Yeah, it's so important that you follow a style so that a child begins to understand, you know what? Here comes the talk. Here comes the opportunity. But that it gets to a good place. Mm -hmm. And without a plan, I mean, everything's going to fail. And so somewhere you've got to say, if we've got a problem and we've got to start dealing with some of these issues within our home, you pick one of them and say, when would be a good time? And you may go to your child and say, hey, when would be a good time for us to get together? Why, Dad? Why, Mom? I just, well, I just think it'd be good to talk 
about some things. I'm, I'm concerned about some things that are happening that's just, I just have a struggle with a little bit. And do you do talk. that a day ahead of time, an hour ahead of time? It or? could be. Well, they, they may say, hey, let's talk now. Oh, okay, okay. But, but you so give them ready. the opportunity yeah. to, to, to come back and say, let's talk about something. And you know the other thing? Go privately. Mm. I mean, Scripture would tell us, if you have a beef with somebody and there's an issue, go privately. There is something about a mom and dad walking up to a child that now has them outnumbered. If you go into their room, you are now on their territory, and, and, and kids usually have a tendency to lash back because it's their home within that home. And so I always go to a neutral place. Usually when I confront kids on issues that are pretty strong and there needs to be some correction given. I usually do that in a public setting. I go privately, but in a public setting. Hey, let's go get something to eat. Let's go eat lunch. Because the social arena kind of keeps it down to an opportunity for us to talk about things. Now, if you set it up, you got to deliver, right? You got to have right. something to say. You can't That's just right. sort of uh, mumble along and expect it to be profitable. I think I think you've got to be very focused on what you want. So that's the number one thing. I, and I think the other way is the way you communicate the problem. And, and I think you just say, hey, I think we've got a problem because these things are going on that I see and what it's causing are these things over here. And somewhere along the line, we've got to make some changes because I can't have these things going on. And so help me understand kind of the motive behind what mm-hmm. you're doing. So you're, you're describing the problem. Right. And you're, you're aiming towards a, a solution. That's right. Together. But, but you hear what I'm saying. I'm giving them the opportunity to respond. Do you yes. want to get together? Yeah. Okay, let's meet now. That's great. I'm letting them decide. I'm moving toward them and say, give me your input on what you think is going on, mm-hmm. you know, because the bigger issue is, is that I just can't do these things over here and, and allow them to continue. And so now let's give me an understanding of what's going on, you know, that's causing the problem. All right. Now, in the best of all worlds, of course, our teens would ask us for this feedback, but that's not always going to happen, they don't. is it? They don't. You know, they're not going to say, oh, Let's talk about all the wrong things with me. And so I think you have to couch it a little bit that it's your actions, it's not you. Uh-huh. And, and, and move toward them in some way. Just one thing, be a little bit relevant in your wording to them so that you're picking out one thing. Don't get with them and give them a list of 15 things. Okay. Don't go back two years to everything. That's right. Yeah, okay. And don't say this, well, you always do this <laughs> or you never do this. I tell people all the time, Always, never use the words <laughs> always and never. You know, I mean, it is. It doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, it because it, what it does is portray that there's been no growth and there's been no movement, and kids know that they are. Just pick out one thing. All right. When there's something that comes up, should we go to them and say, we really need to talk about this now? Well, I think there's a time for that to happen if it's serious. But there's another opportunity that sometimes you give it a little bit of time so you can think a little bit. Remember, I, I've said you know, for years and years, that the behavior that you see is usually not the issue. There's usually something driving it. And so if I always focus on the behavior and I do it now, then the tendency is I'm missing my child's heart or missing a bigger issue. And there's a chance it could become just an emotional um, thing at that point, too. No, you got to let uh, them have time to think about it. And That's right. Give and, them some and time. And you have to have time yeah, to think about let it. Let everybody kind of think about it right. so that you, when you come to the table and you sit down, it can be calm, not mm-hmm. heated. Don't do it out of anger. 
Don't do it when you are flared. And if you are flared and your nostrils are flared and you know when your heart is beating strong and it's just, you're, you're, I mean, it's, it's not just being scared. It is being upset to the point that you want to come across that table and do something. Then do not meet during that time. In this blueprint, you tell parents to be unassuming. What do you mean by unassuming? I mean, don't assume that they're, everything's immediately wrong. Don't uh, assume that, that they're not going to respond to you. Don't assume that they don't want some correction. I mean, Scripture says that presumption brings nothing but strife. Hmm. And so don't assume all those things. Expect the best. That's right. And so you may get the best from it. And so it may be a very easy thing. They may say, oh, mom, dad, I know. I shouldn't be doing that. I'll quit. Hmm. And you go, great. Okay. Mission accomplished. Okay. <laughs> and if we see it again, mm-hmm. and you give them the opportunity, and they may say, well, if you see it again, then you can take away my car or do something. Great. You've come to an agreement. You still have a relationship. And you can talk about those things because the issue is not so much the behavior as much as it is what it's causing within the family. And that's where you say, we just can't do this for this reason. Invite the teen uh, to a conversation of uh, feedback. Yeah. And don't back up the truck and just dump it all on them at one time. That's right? right. That's right. And I think it's being very authentic. I mean, I think... Uh, there's always the opportunity to share maybe where you messed up in life somewhere and you try to apply it to the situation at hand and then you express your feelings or you go to them and say, you know, I remember when my dad used to correct me and it always made me feel demeaned and just tell them, I don't want to do that, but I do want to change some things the way we're doing it because it's not working and perhaps change the way that you move toward them and you might get a different response. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.